Hey folks, it's Cody Stoffer with Playmakers Corner, here to tell you about Code Red Coaching. Competing in athletics means you've lifted the weights, you've watched film, and you've got the passion. Problem is, that's what everyone else in the state has done. Perfect your game by honing in on your mental performance with Code Red Coaching. Whether you are a team or an individual, Code Red Coaching has the tools to create mentally solid habits and set up you or your team for success. Find Code Red Coaching at coderedcoaching.com or call 720-979-1914 to learn more today. That's coderedcoaching.com or 720-979-1914 today. Now back to the show. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, and this is the final recap of the 2022 season. What a wonderful one it was. And stay tuned for next week where we'll have a bit more overarching review on that. But this week, we have three championships to discuss. The 4A and 5A state championships between Broomfield and Loveland, as well as Creek and Valor, respectively, that Gideon and I attended. Gideon taking the notes, me taking the videos, and now me relaying Gideon's notes to you. But that will follow after Coach V's recap of the 3A state championship between Roosevelt and Lutheran that took place at CSU Pueblo at 1 p.m. at the Thunder Bowl. So I'm actually going to pass it off to Coach V here to recap that game for you, and then we will be back with some 4A action. Coach V, take it away. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I went to the 3A state championship game between Lutheran and Roosevelt here on December 3rd, 2022 here. This would be a big-time matchup between two teams looking to gain their first football state championship Lutheran this was their first trip to uh, the state title and Roosevelt here this was not their first trip to state they were here actually two years ago uh, against Durango in the COVID year where they lost uh, by a touchdown I believe and so for both of these programs it was definitely big time to be here and you have two of the best coaching staffs in the state in my opinion uh, facing off and so this is going to be an instant classic with a lot of talent on both sides but let's go ahead and get started here uh, Lutheran would actually win the toss and so they would defer and kick it to Roosevelt who would take over on the 38 off of a nice return here but this Lutheran defense came to play here they played great defense stopping the Roosevelt run here and forced a three and out here and they would go ahead and force a punt now on the snap here, on this punt, the snap was really low. And Tucker Peterson's back there to punt this one, by the way. And so they're lucky Tucker Peterson's a great athlete because he gets back there and he recovers the snap here. Uh, doesn't have enough time to kick it, but, you know, he just doesn't allow Lutheran to run this one back. And so just like that, Lutheran, with a lot of momentum to start the game here off of a bad mistake from Roosevelt, starts on the 10-yard line here. Now, Lutheran, they're trying to establish the run as well. They have one of the best running backs in the state with Ryan Kenny. And so they call three straight run plays, but they really don't go anywhere. And so... Lutheran settles for the field goal here, taking an early 3-0 lead with about 9 minutes 51 seconds left. 
in the first quarter. Now, Roosevelt take over on the 30, you know, could definitely be worse. They could have uh, allowed a touchdown, but this defense stood tall in that situation. They're looking to get that one back. And so they start out pretty strong here. They hand off the ball to Xavier Ramirez. They call read option uh, with Bronco Hartson, and that gets them a first down. But then a couple plays later, it is third down. They're trying to call a pass play here. It looks like they called an out route to Tucker Peterson, but either there's some sort of miscommunication. I think I might have seen Tucker uh, stumble a little bit, but regardless... The timing was off, and so Bronco throws this one, but Trey Cicio for Lutheran is there to pick this one off here, and he takes it to the house for a big-time touchdown to give Lutheran the 10-0 lead with 8 minutes 38 seconds left here in the first quarter. Lutheran coming out swinging, capitalizing on these Roosevelt mistakes here. And so once again, Roosevelt, they take over on the 30-yard line. They're down early here, 10-0. to They're trying to get something going here. Uh, and so they decide to commit to the run. They hand it off to Doucette, Ryan Doucette, who gets them a first down. But a couple penalties here. It looks like false start penalties. And a couple tackles for loss by this Lutheran defense would force them into a very difficult third and nine situation here here on third and nine bronco hearts and he tries to find tucker peterson on the outside on the right sideline here but cco i i didn't say it, i i don't know why i didn't specify here i think it's joe cco who is on tucker peterson here he goes ahead and plays great coverage and deflects this one. And so that forces another punt here. Luthen with a chance to go up by a lot more. Now, Luthen, they take over on the 14-yard line here. Couple plays in. It is third down. They call a passing play. Riken Doggard for Luthen drops back. But Alizar Valencia is unblocked. And he absolutely hammers Riken Doggard here for a big sack that just kills this drive. And so Luthen, they punt it back to Roosevelt here. Now, Roosevelt. They are still committed to the run here. They go ahead and hand it off to Xavier Ramirez a couple of times, who gets them up their first down of the drive here. And they continue to hand it off to him until he gets them into the red zone um, on around the 11-yard line. And that's when they hand it off eventually to Ryan Doucette, who finishes this drive with a short rushing touchdown. And that cuts into this Lutheran lead. Lutheran still leading 10-7, but with 16 seconds left in the first quarter. That would basically be it for the first quarter here, despite some early on mistakes. Roosevelt responding great here, getting a couple of stops and getting a touchdown, more importantly, this quarter. Now here in the second quarter, Lutheran, they have the ball uh, second and four here. Riken drops back. He finds Joe Cicio for a first down on a short little hitch route. Joe does the rest there. After that, uh, they call another pass play here on first down. Riken Doggard finds Joe Cicio again on the short uh, play, and Joe makes it happen and gets the first down here. And then right after that, uh, or actually, sorry, they run they run a dive. And then on second down, I believe, they go ahead and call an end around play to the other CCO brother, Trey, here. And he gets them another first down. Luhai with three first downs to get this drive going here. Um, and eventually, they do get into the red zone, running the football really well here. But 
a couple plays in, you know, Luhai, they call a timeout before fourth down here. There's about four yards to go to get the first down. At that point, they would basically be on the two or three yard line here. They're really close to scoring, and so they have the decision either they could kick the field goal here, which is very much in the field goal range of their talented kicker, or they could go for it, and so that's what this timeout is for. And so they go ahead, call the timeout, out of the timeout, it looks like they're deciding to go for it here. And so Dogger drops back, and he finds his guy number 11. That is Chance Sorensen for a beautiful pass right in the back of the end zone. As great a throw as you could hope for in Sorensen. He snags this one for a touchdown, toe taps it in. And just like that, the gamble pays off, and Lutheran takes another Big time 17 to 7 lead, another 10 point lead with eight minutes left here, uh, roughly in the second quarter. Now, Roosevelt, they take over on the 20, and the struggles continue. More penalties here, uh, just bad penalties, undisciplined, uh, more false starts, I believe. And then these runs are just getting stuffed by this Lutheran defense, who is really feeling themselves at this point. And so they force a three and out actually on Roosevelt. And so Lutheran gets the ball with a chance to go up by more than two scores, by three scores here, if they get a touchdown or a field goal, either way. But Luhai, they take over on the 35-yard line here. Um, it comes down to a third-down situation. They're trying to run the ball, but Roosevelt's defense is definitely stiffening up here. And so it's third down, but no worries here. Riken Doggard stands strong in the pocket as it kind of collapses around him. And he finds number 11. That's Chance Sorensen over the middle on a nice little dig route here for the first down and so that extends this drive here but once again Lutheran is found in another third down situation it's about third and five third and six type of situation here uh, because the run is just not working quite yet for Lutheran here and so they're forced to pass it here once again you know uh Riken he drops back but this time the pass rush gets there and he tries to throw this one it's a little ill-advised if there was somebody there it definitely would have been picked off and maybe even returned for a pick six but it's incomplete Riken does take kind of a big hit here and so that forces a punt here on fourth down Luther not able to extend their uh lead past 10 points and so here we go Roosevelt they start on the 30 there's about four minutes 23 seconds left here in the second quarter here and this is how it goes down. They have two runs that brings up third and four. Both of them to Ramirez, I believe. And then they get a big-time screen pass here uh, to one of their receivers. I couldn't quite see the number. But he gets them a key first down. But unfortunately, a couple plays later, there's a holding penalty called on Roosevelt. And so that puts them in a really tough second and 19 situation. And so, second 19, Bronco Hartson, he drops back, he aims deep for a Roosevelt receiver. It looks like the receiver has a step, but it's really good coverage. And either way, I mean, the receiver falls down, and so that brings up third down. The pass is incomplete there. And so, here we go, third and 19, Roosevelt is about to call a play, but I believe it's another penalty, another false start. And so, that makes it an even more difficult third and 25 here and so here we go it is third and long 
Roosevelt, they call a run play. It's a sweep play, um, a jet sweep play to their receiver, Tucker Peterson. He takes it all the way outside towards the right sideline before reversing fields. Uh, Lutheran, their linebackers, just not quite able to bring him down there. They had a chance once he almost I mean, he went towards the sideline, basically, uh, ran almost all the way towards the sideline. They had a chance to get him there, couldn't get him. He reverses fields all the way back around. There's nobody to get him down, um, nobody to track him down. You know, Tucker Peterson, he's a great athlete. And so he runs and he stretches out before somebody finally tackles him out of bounds here. And he doesn't get the first down, but... This third and long situation suddenly becomes a fourth and one situation. That was a big play for Roosevelt here to keep this drive alive. And so it's a fourth and one. Roosevelt, they feel like they have to go for it. I mean, they're down by 10. They want to get something before the half here because Lutheran does get the ball. So just keep that in mind. And so the call a play to Ryan Doucette. Dive right up the middle. He gets it. That's a first down. There's about a minute, 22 seconds left here. Uh, Roosevelt having to feel good, getting bailed out of that situation. But before they could even call uh, this next play on first down, there's another false start, making it first and 15 here. Uh, Roosevelt, just a lot of bad penalties on this drive alone. Tucker Peterson kind of bailing them out of that one. But once again, they're in a first and 15 situation. Who's going to bail them out of this one? Well, for Roosevelt, they go ahead and call pass play deep here. Bronco Hearts, and he rolls out, and he unleashes a deep bomb here. It's slightly overthrown, but it's to a receiver who does have a step on his uh, corner here, and the corner kind of over-pursues here, uh, but it's Bowie Schmitz who stops, jumps up, high points this one, and catches a big-time jump ball here for a huge 30-plus yard gain making it first down on the 15-yard line. Roosevelt all of a sudden in the red zone here after being on the other side of the field for the majority of this drive. And so here's what happens. They call a couple plays here. Um, a Ramirez run that gets them to making it second eight. At this point, there's 22 seconds left, and uh, they call their last timeout. And after that, they go ahead on second and eight. They roll out Bronco Hartson here, and he finds his guy, Tucker Peterson, who makes a diving catch for the touchdown, making it a 17-4. to 14 game here with 18 seconds left here uh, that would basically be it here but Roosevelt they get a big time touchdown here from Bronco Hearts and to their star Tucker Peterson to cut into this lead making it a three-point game going into the third quarter but here in the third quarter Lutheran they still have the lead and they get the ball to start here and they are trying to run out some of this clock here. Some of their scores have come pretty quickly, and so there's still plenty of time in this game. They're trying to take control of the pace of this game, which is why they're running the ball. That's how I see it, at least. And the call two runs, go for no gain. It's third and 11 here. They throw the screen pass here. This one looks like is not going to go for any gain here. Roosevelt's defense rallies to him, but... It looks like they force a fumble here and recover the fumble, which is huge because obviously you'd rather have the ball there than, you know, take a punt. And so Roosevelt takes over on the 
28-yard line, just a couple yards outside of the red zone with 11 minutes left here in a great situation to take the lead. And so here's what happens. Bronco Hartson on the keeper runs and gets a first down there. That puts them in the red zone. And then Xavier Ramirez would go ahead and take advantage of this field position here. And he punches it in for a rushing touchdown. Roosevelt takes their first lead of the game 21-17 to with 9 minutes left here. Now... Lutheran, there is plenty of time in this game. They're going to try to put together a good drive here. But like I said, they're trying to take control of the pace of this game. They don't want to score too early. They want to run out some of this clock as a lot of their scores are coming really, really fast here. Uh, so here we go. And they want to, you know, limit Roosevelt's chances of responding. But here we go. Riken Doggard on third down finds Chance Sorensen deep for a very nice throw here down the left side uh he makes the diving catch for about 20 yards here and that gives Luthen a first down on the opposing 40 yard line pass midfield and so after that Riken Doggard in rhythm finds his guy number one Joe Cicio on the out route that gets them another first down here but there's a penalty thrown on Roosevelt it looks like uh Either an unsportsmanlike penalty or unnecessary roughness. Regardless, they're now on the 15-yard line. Uh, Lutheran, that is. And so Lutheran, they're in a very good spot to retake this lead here. Uh, and so on first down, they try to throw the ball. It's incomplete. It's good coverage there. On second down, Riken Doggard, he reads this Roosevelt defense really well. Great pass concept um, cooked up here by this Lutheran coaching staff. And he has a wide open Joe Cicio, I believe. He throws it, but there must have been some miscommunication on the timing because it looks like he throws it a little bit early. And the pass is a little bit deeper than he probably wanted. And so this one is incomplete here. That's a tough throw to miss looks like just some miscommunication and so now it's third down still third and 10 here and on third down the go ahead and drop back Riken again so he could take a shot uh shot into the end zone but Elazar Valencia is just completely unblocked and he gets a huge sack on Riken bringing up a fourth down here a miscommunication on the offensive line kind of hurting them and so Lutheran they have a choice here they're about I would say 20-ish yards outside of the uh, outside of the end zone. And so they could take a shot if they wanted to, but I would say probably the smarter decision is kicking a field goal here. While they're making this decision, though, they have to avoid, um, you know, the clock running out of them, the play clock running out of them on them. And so they call a timeout to talk about it. And coming out of the timeout, Lutheran decides to go for it. It's fourth and long, mind you. And so they take a shot downfield. There was really no chance for this to uh, make it to the receiver. It's great coverage by Roosevelt. Tucker Peterson actually bats us down. And so Roosevelt takes over on the 40 here. That's how far back uh, they were. And so... Actually, sorry, they weren't that far back. There's an unsportsmanlike penalty thrown on Lutheran. Um, the receiver gave whoever the DB was a, a quick shove at the end, which he shouldn't have done. And that put Roosevelt on the 40-yard line here. So Lutheran uh, kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit here. But Roosevelt, they take the ball here. 
Bronco Hartson, he scrambles out. He throws the football, but he is past the line of scrimmage. They call an illegal forward pass, so that burns the penalty, or that burns the the um, first down there. And so now it's second down and 14 with that penalty. Then Bronco, he takes a shot deep. It's kind of there, but it is overthrown. And so it's third down here. On third down, Bronco Hartson, he tries to run, but he gets tackled. And that brings up fourth and seven here. And so fourth and seven, Roosevelt, they decide to punt it here. But it's another bad snap. Instead of being a low bad snap, it's a high one. And so this one goes all the way over Tucker Peterson's head here. And goes back almost 15 to 20 yards. Tucker has to run this one back. Or he has to run back and grab it here. Before Luden could recover it in the red zone basically. And he is able to grab this. And just barely punt it. And it doesn't go far. I mean Luden took over on the 45 here. Uh, just you know before midfield. But it's better than them being in the red zone, which is what would have happened if Luthen recovered this botched snap here. So here we go. Luthen with a chance to retake the lead once more. Call a couple runs here. It's third and two. No worries. Riken, uh in rhythm still. Finds Joe Cicio on the hitch route. He gets a first down. Then this is where things get interesting. Um, Riken definitely took a hit here. I don't know if he got injured or got a little bit shaken up or if this was just a coaching decision, but they decide to sub Riken Doggard out and put in Chance Soren or sorry, Chase Sorensen at quarterback. If you remember from previous playoff games, he played quarterback for Lutheran in that Frederick game where Riken was out, uh, I believe because of an ankle injury. And in that game against Frederick, uh, they really used Sorensen as a Wildcat quarterback. And so they sub in Sorensen at quarterback. And that's what they do. They run the Wildcat. They run basically all read option plays. And so with that being said, uh, they use basically all read option plays with Sorensen. Either he hands it off to Kenny or he keeps it himself. And they eventually get down to the red zone here where Chance Sorensen on a, the read option takes it right up the middle on a midline option it looks like and takes the lead for Lutheran here 24 to 21 while burning some clock here there's about two minutes 46 seconds left in the third uh Lutheran switching it up a little bit Roosevelt not quite being able to adjust to that quick um, switch up there. But regardless, Lutheran, you know, takes the lead here. Some great coaching with 2 minutes 46 seconds left here. Now, Roosevelt, they're not able to um, do too much here before the quarter runs out here. It's interesting to note, though, you know, Roosevelt, they do run with their running backs, Xavier Ramirez and Ryan Duceppe, they both kind of take turns here. It looks like they both were kind of suffering some sort of cramps, or one of them was suffering cramps on the kickoff, and so they had to come out. And so it's number 40, Milo Pascal. At least that's how I think it's said. Excuse me if I'm not saying that right, but he is a freshman running back. He comes in and takes some of the carries here to give uh, both Xavier Ramirez and Ryan Doucette a break uh, as they are playing on both sides, or at least Ryan Doucette is, and I believe Ramirez might be rotating in as well, if I'm not mistaken. 
So a little bit of relief work, but uh, number 40, Pascal, does get them a first down before the fourth quarter starts here. And so here in the fourth quarter, second and eight, uh, they go ahead and run it up the middle with Ramirez, and that wouldn't be the only time. Uh, basically, Roosevelt would just exclusively hand it off to Xavier Ramirez after that quick little break here, and he would drive them all the way down the field, almost 70 yards down the field here until they got into the red zone. And once they got into the red zone, they go ahead and call a quarterback keeper. This looks like a designed quarterback run play to Bronco Hartson, who runs this one in and retakes the lead for Roosevelt. 28 to 24 with about 7 minutes 48 seconds left in this game. So a lot of lead changes here. Still anybody's game here. Lutheran, they take over here, and interesting enough, Sorensen is still in at quarterback. It looks like they're going to roll with that for this drive, and so um, they get a nice run with Ryan Kenny, and then Sorensen, he on on the keeper on the read option, he gets another nice run, but he is stopped just short here, and so it is third and one here. Uh, they go ahead and call a quarterback dive to Sorensen or a quarterback run to Sorensen and he is stopped just short. It is like literally fourth in inches here. And so Lutheran, they decide to call a timeout at this point. There's around six-ish minutes left, give or take, uh, in this game here. It's fourth and inches. Lutheran, they want to talk about it. Um, they want to go for it here is what I am thinking because if they punt it going three and out, Roosevelt will have multiple opportunities to ice this game, whether it's to run out the rest of the clock or score another touchdown to make it really hard for Lutheran to come back. And so Luhai, they are going to go for it here. They're about to snap the ball, but someone on the offensive line moves. That's a false start. Instead of fourth and inches, it now becomes fourth and six here. Luthen, they feel like they have to punt the ball. They are in their own territory here, and so it's not a bad call at all. And so Roosevelt, they take over on the 35-yard line, and they are determined to give it to their guy X, Xavier Ramirez here, who goes ahead, and he is gashing this defense. He runs up the middle for eight, then they give him another carry. He runs up the middle, gets a first down on another five-plus-yard carry here. And so Lutheran, you know, they need to get a stop. Like I said, they punted it with around six-ish six minutes left here. Uh, and so Roosevelt, they're using up all the clock possible. And so here we go. They're around the 40-yard line, close to midfield here. Peyton Garrett for Lutheran would go ahead and get a huge tackle for a loss here bringing up a second and 11 that was big time and then after that they try to run it up the middle or run it off the side I guess I mean it looks like it was supposed to be a run up the middle but Ramirez bounces it outside the entire Lutheran defensive line is there for that one and they tackle him for another loss and so that brings up a third and 12 here Lutheran with a good chance to go ahead and stop them and get the ball back at this minute there's a at this point there's around two minutes and four 40-ish seconds left here, so they will get the ball with plenty of time to score and win this game if they get a stop here on 3rd and 12. 
But a lot of pressure on the line here. Roosevelt, they decide to pass it. And so here we go. They snap the ball to Bronco Hartson, who's in shotgun. He rolls out right here, trying to extend the play, trying to find someone, uh, redirecting traffic here. And he almost runs out of bounds. It looks like this Lutheran defense was almost able to run him out of bounds. But right before that, he throws it to his running back it's the freshman number 40 milo pascal who goes ahead and not only does he catches this one but it looks like there's some sort of miscommunication with this lutheran defense because i guess they thought that he stepped out of bounds or someone else pushed him out of bounds but he takes off downfield for a big time game i'm talking this goes for 20 plus yards almost 30 or 40 yards here uh which goes ahead and extends his drive not only for a first down but puts roosevelt in the red zone here great play by bronco and even better play by the freshman here uh, basically being asked to come in and be the relief guy for ramirez who they've been running into the ground here um effectively though and he makes a big time play when roosevelt needed it and so here we go roosevelt they are in the red zone here they are set on handing this one off making Lutheran use all their timeouts. Uh, if possible, they're trying to score. And so a couple plays later here, um, it's third and four here. They hand it off one last time. It looks like Lutheran is there and might have been able to tackle him short of the first down. But Xavier Ramirez powers through, breaks through a couple of tackles, and walks into the end zone for a big-time Roosevelt touchdown. Now, on the extra point here, Luthen would actually block it. And so, it's only a 10-point lead, a 34-24 to lead. There's a minute, 33 seconds left. Luthen, I believe, has one timeout left here. And so, there's still hope for Luthen here. All they would need is a touchdown and then most likely they would have to kick the onside kick and lutheran i believe is the only team one through 5a who has gotten multiple onside kicks in a game this season uh i witnessed it against pueblo east you know and even in that game they could have gotten more you know because there were a couple uh plays where they just didn't recover it but it was a great onside kick and the ball slipped out and so if there was any team that could get an onside kick and have a chance to still score and tie this game it is Lutheran here and so this game is not over at all and so Lutheran they take over on the 20 and interesting enough they go ahead and put Riken Doggard in and so I don't think he is that hurt here um I mean, he's playing, so there you go. But the last, this is a drive where Luther definitely needs a touchdown. And so they go ahead, they take a deep shot here. It looks like Joe Cecio has a step on Tucker Peterson on a nice little post route. If completed, this would either be a touchdown or a big time 40 plus yard play here. But the ball is slightly overthrown, not completely overthrown here. But Joe Cecio does have to slow down just a quarter of a second here and that is enough for tucker peterson to make an amazing play here i mean he goes all out 
in the last play of his high school career, and he cuts in front of Joe Cicio, and he grabs this one, rolls over it, and that is an interception for Roosevelt, and that will seal the game here. An amazing play by Tucker Peterson to lock this one up and deliver Roosevelt their first state championship. Roosevelt defeats Luthen 34-24 in an instant thriller here. Look, this game was awesome. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. This game was awesome. There was a lot of highs and lows, a lot of momentum shifts, great coaching on both sides. Um, they had to make adjustments, and that's what they did. You know, they made adjustments here in that second quarter or in that second half and moving forward as well. You know, Lutheran deciding to switch to Sorensen here, running that read option uh, playbook basically was, was genius, you know. Know, because Roosevelt, they were stopping a lot of what Lutheran was putting down here. And so they had to adjust. And, you know, they ran hurry up. They did their thing. And that was what gave them the lead. But, you know, there were some mistakes um, by Lutheran here. I, you know, it happens. Not everyone could be perfect. But I feel like that one um, situation where they decided to go for it on fourth and really long here, they probably should have just kicked the field goal there. I don't know why you would decide to do that. So there you go. That ended up being a big issue. Um, I guess, you know, hindsight is 2020. You can look back in the first quarter, be like, well, you know, if they went for the touchdown instead of the field goal to start the game, then they would also have the lead. There's a lot of what ifs, to be honest with you, but with, with the way this game was playing out, um, there was, I mean, Lutheran didn't lose this game super early on. They still had a chance to win it even at the end here. They had plenty of time. They had a minute 30. Even this play um, that ended up being an interception, it looked like it was going to be a touchdown. It was a pretty solid throw here. It wasn't a horrible throw by any means. It was the right read for sure. And Tucker Peterson, I mean, he just made a play. And sometimes that's what it comes down to, you know, uh, your playmakers making a play against other playmakers and, you know, congrats to Roosevelt here. They honestly, I mean, they had to battle for this one. <laughs> it was an excellent game, an excellent state title to win for the first time. I'd imagine some of that experience from past state championships uh, really helped them keep their composure because there were definitely moments it looked like Roosevelt was done. Um, in that first half, they had a million penalties, and it was almost exclusively on the offensive line there. But they got it together in the second half. They were they were able to open up a lot of running lanes for Xavier Ramirez, and uh, you know, obviously. A lot of credit to Xavier Ramirez again. I mean, he was able to break a lot of tackles, be a tough running back. I mean, they were handing the ball off to him a ton. He must have been exhausted out there, but it didn't matter. They were motivated. They wanted to win this game, and that's what happened there. And so, a lot of credit to Roosevelt and the mental toughness there. Bronco Hartson, he did have that tough pick six, but would come back and throw a touchdown to Tucker. He would also run in a touchdown. He would get a couple key first downs to extend that drive too. And so, that was a great bounce back from him. I mean, this was a team effort, truly, by Roosevelt. So many big plays here. Alizar Valencia, it felt like every time there's a third down, he would just come free and sack Riken Doggard to end a would-be touchdown drive or scoring drive, you know, and so he came up huge as well. And then you have Tucker Peterson. Um, I had to go back and forth. In my opinion, he's the MVP of this game. 
there were plenty of times that Roosevelt, they were in an almost impossible situation and they just needed a play. And Tucker here, he came through for them. Whether it was on that fourth down on that reverse where he... Uh, or sorry, it was third down, uh, but he on that reverse would go ahead and get almost 20 yards on a third and super long and make it a manageable fourth and one to extend this drive and allow Roosevelt to eventually make it a, you know, three score game here. Um, he would also, or sorry, a three point game. He would also score that touchdown to end that drive too. And so that was huge. I think if Roosevelt didn't get that, then they would be in a lot of trouble going into that second half. And so that was big time. And then obviously this interception to seal the game, that was absolutely huge. Um, yeah, I mean, Lutheran, they had a good chance to win this game still. And that would have been a touchdown. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, on that play, it would have been a touchdown if Tucker Peterson didn't make the play that he did and put his body on the line and dive and go for that interception. And so I'm going to have to go with Tucker Peterson as MVP. Uh, but like I said, this was definitely a team effort. Xavier Ramirez, he would win MVP uh, as awarded by Chas and whatnot. And I think it's well-deserved. I mean, he helped close this game and whatnot. And he powered this offense. And, I mean, it looked like he played through some injury, too, and some hurting. And so a lot of credit to him. Bronco, he did his thing. This defense did their thing. The old line really played a clean game in the second half and did a good job there matching the physicality of Lutheran and their speed as well. And so it really was a team effort. And honestly, a lot of credit to their head coach, Elaine Wassinger. Uh, I respect this dude a lot. I think he's one of the best coaches in the state. Probably a top five coach, if you ask me. Top three, uh, honestly. He made the adjustments he needed to make at halftime. And, you know, talking to Bronco Hartson as well, he said it was very positive in the locker room. Nothing but uplifting stuff there. And, you know, that's what really motivated this team and got them to play a great second half. And, you know, this was a half where they had to roll with the punches too. Luther wasn't going down either, you know, so there you go there. Uh, and so Roosevelt, they get their first state championship. Lutheran, they unfortunately come up short here, but they will be returning a lot of players here. They still had an excellent season. They'll be back. This might even be a matchup that might happen again next year. I'm going to go ahead and predict it right now here. Um, yeah. This might be another state championship title again next year, and it'll be even better, too. So, there you go there. But, whew, thank you so much for rocking with us. This probably isn't the end of the episode, but this is the last time you're going to hear from myself uh, here, at least for this regular season. Thank you to everyone who has supported us. It has been such a special season. Uh, thank you to all these classifications uh, 1A through 5A. 3A, honestly, I'm not going even, I'm not even going to lie, is one of my favorite classifications here. Um, they put on a show once again. There's some great kids out there, great athletes, great coaching that did their thing this season. And so I just want to thank all of them, along with all the other classifications as well. Um, the sport means a lot, and it's really special to be able to cover Colorado high school football. And so for now, at least in this football season... I'm signing out. Thank you so much again. And thank you so much, Coach V, for all of your work and dedication during the season. Obviously, there's still more work to be done.
But for the 3A State Recap, thank you for visiting out there and for touching base and recapping that. I am definitely a little bit jealous because that sounds like a wonderful game. However, Gideon and myself did have a blast at Mile High for the 4A and 5A State Title Games. And we're going to start off with the 4A game here. So... Gideon with the notes. Shout out to Gideon on the wording on these notes. And I'm also going to read through his playmakers of the game on both sides of the ball, as well as his designated playmaker of the game. And then in the very last segment, we will have our last playmakers of the week brought to you by Code Red Coaching at the end of the episode. So to start this game here, Broomfield would start with possession here and, you know, they wouldn't get too far on the kickoff return. And on the first play from scrimmage, Cola Crew pitched it to Brent Harris. And Ty Young went in and forced a fumble on the very first play of the game. And it, that was recovered by Hudson Vagaser here, who gave Loveland the ball in Broomfield territory to start. So quick start for Loveland here. Can they capitalize? Let's see. So they have a handoff to Drew Foley, which goes for two and is tackled by Ryland Beamer here. And then on the next play, Nick Patrick here uh, also got a stop here um, to prevent a first down. Patrick and Beamer shared a tackle, but a first down was gained by Drew Foley regardless on fourth and one. Drew Foley then got a pitch for four yards here and was tackled by Holden Potter before Olsen then tried to get a run right and got cut off, ran back, and tackled in the backfield by Garrett Keeler here. On the next play, they are, well, they get a run for about a yard, and then on fourth and 19, Garrett Harstad rolls out right, and, you know, he is getting chased down. He's continuing to run right, and he's running out of room on the field, and he's being chased down by none other um, than... Garrett Keeler, I believe. And with two guys closing in, he threw to the center of the field where Mikhail Benner was waiting and gets an interception and gives Broomfield the ball right back. So two drives, two turnovers. That would not be the last of turnovers in this game. Brent Harris would rip off a 40-yard run with great blocking ahead of him. And that would flip field positions entirely. Drew Foley would get the tackle on the five-yard line, and then Rich of Loveland would get one of his own on the two. But that would not be enough, as LaCrue ended up punching in the tutty in himself from the two-yard line, and Dylan Dugan was good on the PAT, giving Broomfield a 7-0 lead with 5.55 in the first quarter. Trent Stevenson of Loveland would receive the opening kickoff for short, but a face, back, a face mask on Broomfield would put Loveland on the 45-yard line. Harstead would try and go right, but Cannon Juarez would be there waiting for him and get a huge tackle for loss. They would then run a few more plays here and end up in a 4th and 11 with a Hudson Vagaser punt. After a fair catch on the reception, Loveland called a timeout on defense here, but Broomfield came out and Cole LaCrue had a keeper for about four yards and he was tackled by Hudson Vagaser. Then LaCrue absolutely unloads a bomb here to Anthony Cobb, who is tackled by Jude Mayow here 
that saves a touchdown really on this on this tackle here. And then on the next play, Olsen would blow up a screen pass. And then a group of Dylan Lindgren and Vogaser would get a tackle on the quarterback keeper here. Um, where Cola Crew had about four defenders on him. But following that, this drive would kind of stall out here. Number 20 of Loveland would get a hurry. And then they would stiffen up real quick here and force a punt um, with about a minute and a half left in the first here. Now, Loveland on the punt, they have to start from their own seven-yard line. They have quite the length of field to go. They haven't really shown anything on offense yet. And so Harstead kept, but he gets tackled after about three yards by Landon Davidson. Ryland Beamer would get the next tackle for only a gain of one, and that would conclude the first quarter with Broomfield leading this game 7-0. To open the second quarter, Harstead would pitch to Drew Foley for nine yards, but that would not be enough for the first down as Garrett Kaler drags him down, and this would force a punt. On Broomfield's drive here, LaCrue would get a run for two here, and then a false start would push them back. But Cola Crew would persevere here and dial it up to Anthony Cobb for a gain of 11 and then rushing for a first down. Now, on this drive here, you have the likes of Caden Stansberry, as well as Drew Foley and Dylan Lindgren on the action, as well as Ty Young and Hudson Vogaser here. They get a huge tackle uh, where they just swallow up Brent Harris for only a gain of two. On the following play, though, LaCrue would throw to Frey for about 12 yards, but this would be immediately followed by Jude Mayow and Ty Young getting in the backfield and sacking Cole LaCrue. They also forced a fumble on the ensuing play, but Broomfield would recover. On the next play, Broomfield would dial up a pass from LaCrue to Anthony Cobb, who gained 19 yards. And on fourth and one, they would convert on a quarterback keeper. On the following play, though, Cannon Juarez would get the pitch and punch it in for the touchdown. And then with a Dylan Dugan PAT, Broomfield would go up 14 to nothing with seven minutes and nine seconds in the half. Now, Loveland here. They start off with a Lane Thomas kickoff return to the 33-yard line here. Uh, Petrix being a part of the tackle here. Now, they get an Olsen run for about seven yards, which precipitated an insane spin move from Harstead that unfortunately had no gain. It was a very smooth play here, but Noah Biller would clean up the mess here and not allow any gain. They would then dial up a Thomas run for five, and then Drew Foley would just stumble ahead for a first down here. Now, on the ensuing play, Trey Olson would get a run for 11 yards that was assisted by blocking by Trent Shaver before getting tackled out of bounds by Garrett Keeler. Now, on the ensuing play, the Broomfield defense would dial it in here, and Ryland Beamer and Nick Petrich here would get a tackle for loss. And then, with a hurry from Mikhail Benner, there would be an overthrow but 
Garrett Harstead would bounce back and dial in a 28-yard dime to Cody Lease here that would put them within scoring position. And shortly after, they would score, handing it off to Drew Foley, who punches it in for a touchdown. Loveland would then burn a timeout here prior to the PAT with 3.41 to go in the half and then hit the PAT anyway to make it 7-14 with 3.41 in the half. Now, Brent Harris, he'd fight to get 25 yards on the opening down and would have to be dragged down by Cody Lease eventually. Frey then hook and laddered with a throw to Juarez here for 21 yards. And Gideon would like to mention that this gave Frey the highest QBR he's ever seen of 268. That may be the record for the championship. But we digress here as on the next play, LaCruz threw it back to Juarez who snagged it with one hand and ran a few steps for 15. LaCruz on the next play would pitch it to Juarez for 9. And then LaCruz would punch it in himself, putting Broomfield up 21-7 with 2.15 in the half following a Dylan Dugan PAT. Now, on the opening kickoff, Loveland would return it for 55 yards. And then Harstad would run for 4 yards here. Now, Dugan, he forced the tackle on the opening kickoff out of bounds. And then two straight group tackles would occur before Beamer and Gio Toledo shared a tackle to force a turnover on downs. Now, Brent Harris would run for 25 yards, but would be drugged down by Olsen Foley and Vogaser that saved the touchdown. And then there would be an interception here, and Broomfield would be back on defense. And that would basically take us to halftime here. Now, to open the third quarter, Loveland would start with the ball, and Hudson Vogaser would return the second half kickoff for about 15 yards. Drew Foley would run for three yards here and get tackled by Mikhail Benner, but a holding would nullify that. Trey Olsen then ran for six, but after a tackle for loss by Brent Harris forced a fourth down, Loveland would have no choice but to punt, and this punt did not go according to plan, going out at Loveland's own 48-yard line. Now, Broomfield on the prowl here, trying to make it more than a two-score game here. Cannon Juarez would get a run for 12 before getting pushed out by Cody Lease, and then Luke Francis would get a short run and swallowed up by Drew Foley. On 3rd and 12, Cole Crew threw to Anthony Cobb for the first down, and was met shortly by Ty Young and Jude Mayow. Dylan Lindgren would then get a tackle of his own, and this defense would force two incompletions, setting up Broomfield on 4th and 19, with Rich getting a tackle for loss and Jude Mayow getting one as well prior to that. Then, on 4th and 19, they dial up a pass play, and they manage to draw a pass interference call on Thomas, which is crazy, but this would eventually lead to a field goal for Broomfield to make it 24-7 with 7 minutes and 12 seconds left. However, the opening kickoff with Loveland here, this squib, quick, squib kick by Loveland was by Broomfield was quick and then dropped and recovered by Goose Fritch here of Broomfield. So Broomfield would get the ball 
immediately after that. So, LaCrue would get a run for two before getting tackled by Rich. And then Trey Olsen would get a tackle on Frey, uh, who had a little shake-bake for about 15 yards. After a holding call, they eventually threw it. And Cody Lease would get an interception to get Loveland back in this ball game. They would be deep in their own territory. And what a great play this was by Cody Lease on the ball, timing it just perfectly. So Loveland back on offense, going to one of their stars here, Hudson Vogaser, who gets a run for 11 and is dragged down by Mikhail Benner as well as Noah Biller before a Trey Olsen run for four was brought down by Ryland Beamer on a solo tackle. Now, Harstead would keep for seven and Holden Potter would be the defender that would bring him down before Drew Foley would run for 12 more yards and Garrett Keeler and Gio Toledo would be the one eventually dragging him down. Foley then had a good inside cut for 13 yards, and then Harstad tacked on three more onto that. Olsen would move the chains on the next play, and after runs by Olsen and Foley here that almost got into the end zone before being stopped by the likes of Nick Petrich as well as Noah Biller, there would be a touchdown anyhow on the next play by Garrett Harstead, making it Loveland 14, Broomfield 24 with 26 seconds left in the third. Now, Broomfield trying to put this game away here. Not too much to go here in the third quarter. They open up with a Cola Crew dot to Cannon Juarez for 35 to open up the final frame of the 4A season. But this would be really critical because on the opening play of this drive, Dylan Lindgren, Ty Young, and Jude Mayow shared a tackle for loss to end the third quarter here. But Drew Foley does save, you know, maybe a potential touchdown on this tackle here. But then Mayow gets a hurry. On the following play here, you know, there would be, and on that hurry, by the way, there would be an intentional grounding call, and that would set up Broomfield in a really bad spot here. They're a little bit rattled. They end up fumbling. Nick Petrich recovers, but off of that, you know, they get a Francis run for about seven yards, and they fumble again and recover again. It's getting kind of zany here in this final frame here it's looking a little sloppy these teams are exhausted from playing some really tough football for three quarters with the red wolves applying lots of pressure here on this broomfield offense in this final frame thanks to the likes of ty young who had a sack on this drive hudson vagaser who had a pass deflection in the end zone cody lease getting in on the action caden stansbury as well as hudson vagaser caden stansbury being a playmaker of the week in the semis, obviously, came to play today. And then following a young pass deflection, this would force a field goal attempt. And, you know, Broomfield would have a false start here, and they would miss the field goal attempt with seven minutes and five seconds to go. This would set up Loveland, who would get a quick Stevenson run for six, which was then followed by Harstead throwing to Stansberry for eight. The tacklers on those plays being Potter and Beamer. And then on the next play, Drew Foley would run for four and would be tackled by both Gio Toledo as well, Toledo as, well as Potter. But after an incompletion that was forced by Cannon Juarez, Harstead would pass to Stevenson for six. 
On fourth down, Loveland would take a timeout with 4.34 to go here. But, you know, on that next play, Keeler, Beamer, and Harris tackled a run out, and that forced a turnover on downs here. Juarez would run for seven, and then after a timeout with three minutes and eight seconds to go, Juarez would run for a first down. But then another back would fumble here, and that was forced by Jude Mayow and was recovered by Caden Stansberry here, always being really heads up with the fumbles here. And the tone of this drive was set pretty early by Levi Gunn, who, as Gideon said, had a Hulk-level tackle and just forced the discombobulation that would follow on this drive. Loveland had to score here to keep their hopes alive, and on the first play, Harstead was pressured by Caleb Meehan and Garrett Keeler. And he was able to, you know, elude the defenders, but instead of throwing it out of bounds, he threw it to midfield where it was intercepted by Cannon Juarez to basically seal this game here. Cola Crew, he would eventually launch the ball into the air in triumph here, and that would conclude this football game here. Now, I'm going to go over Gideon's players of the game here. We'll start with the Loveland side, and then I'll kind of give my two cents on that side as well. But for defensive playmaker of the game here, Gideon went with Ty Young. Quote, Young was a defensive beast for Loveland. Six tackles, a sack, one and a half tackles for loss, and a pass deflection is a monster performance for a monster of a man in the state ship. Good luck in your college search, Ty. Now, for offensive playmaker of the game, he went with Garrett Harstead. He said, quote, Harstead had an interesting game, but he showed why he was an Opoi candidate. He had 61 total yards on the day and a touchdown. 48 of those yards came on the ground, and that touchdown was a huge momentum shifter as it was the last score of the game. Good luck in your college search, Garrett, end quote. But for the playmaker of the game here, Gideon went with Drew Foley here, and he said, quote, Drew Foley was a two-way beast for Loveland in this one. He was both the yardage and tackle leader for the Red Wolves with eight tackles, 67 yards, and a TD. He was nigh unstoppable, but there's only so much one man can do. Best of luck in life, Drew, end quote. So Gideon, with his playmakers of the game on defense for Loveland being Ty Young, offense being Garrett Harstead, and his playmaker of the game being Drew Foley for the Loveland side. Now, on the offensive side, or on the winning side, I should say, of Broomfield, his defensive playmaker of the game was Garrett Keeler. And Gideon said here, quote, Garrett Keeler reminds me of Kenneth Fareed. He is a manimal, and he could not be stopped defensively. He had 10 tackles, two tackles for loss, and it felt like 50 hurries. He reminds me so much of Brody Van Cleve in the best ways. I loved this game from him. Best of luck in your college journey, Garrett, end quote. Then, for his offensive playmaker of the game, I don't really think there's a surprise here. Cole LaCrue, quote, Cole LaCrue was very emotional after this one, and he and his brother Ty ran over to a very special place for them in one of my favorite moments of the year after the game. The Wisconsin commit had 233 pass yards, nine rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a QBR of 122.29 in this game. Good luck at Wisconsin, Cole. Long may he reign. And then Gideon here for his playmaker of the game would actually align with the Chassa selection 
of the MVP for this game in Cannon Juarez. Quote, Cannon Juarez was a hidden weapon for Broomfield in this one. By the end of the game, nobody was surprised when he was announced as MVP. 38 rushing yards, 81 receiving yards, a touchdown, two tackles, tackle for loss, and the game-sealing INT in has to be the game of a career. That was amazing. Good luck in life, Cannon, end quote. And Gideon's summary on this game before I dive into it. Gideon said, quote, despite the air struggles for Broomfield, this one was about as expected. Broomfield's options on offense overwhelmed the Loveland defense, and Broomfield's defense was able to handle the Loveland air attack enough to force them onto the ground. It was a really good game, but it became evident quickly who the better team was. Loveland fought hard and deserved to be here, do not get me wrong. The Harstead Young Foley Red Wolves are good, but the LaCrue Keeler Juarez Eagles were better. Best of luck to both these teams next season and to the seniors in your endeavors. May you all have long, happy, fulfilling lives and careers. But for now, the Broomfield Eagles reign as the best team in Colorado for a football, end quote. And, you know, for me, I got to echo a lot of the same things here for Garrett or from Gideon and, you know, Garrett's performance for Broomfield here, as well as just how dominant Broomfield felt in this game. I mean, looking throughout this game and you look at what, you know, Garrett Harstead is typically able to accomplish for Loveland. They keyed in on him and they were very successful, holding him to only 13 total yards, less than a yard per carry. This Broomfield rush defense was fantastic on this Saturday afternoon. They only allowed 46 or 147 rush yards on 46 attempts, which is absolutely insane. But the crazy thing is that both of these teams averaged the same amount of yards per rush, which is 3.2. So that's a testament to how good the defenses were in this game. However, the longest rush for Broomfield was 42, and that's just something that they were capable of doing all day long. They had lots of big plays here. You know, Brent Harris catching a 26-yard pass. Cannon Juarez catching a 35-yard pass. Kalen Frey catching a 19-yard pass. I think that that's longer than any play that Loveland even had. I mean, they had one long of 28, and then their next longest after that was only for 15 yards. So, you know, this Broomfield defense was very disciplined for the majority of the game. They were filling lanes very aggressively. They were winning up front at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the thing, too, is that Broomfield had two dimensions to their offense. We talk about this literally all year in the offseason. We talk about how important it is to have a balanced offense and have a passing attack. In the postseason, it becomes more and more evident every year as less and less wing T teams are able to make a push for state. And, you know, we're going to bring it up during the championship weekend because Loveland just did not have the passing attack to keep up with Broomfield here. I mean, Garrett Harstead went four of nine, zero touchdowns and two interceptions, including missing a potential touchdown pass as well. So you got to develop all sides of the ball here if you want to be a championship team. That'll be evident as well in this next game. But, you know, I, I do want to give myself a pat on the back. In my original bracket, I did have Loveland and Broomfield making it, and I had Broomfield becoming the state champions here. And, you know, this team was just loaded on every single front. I mean, I look at this box score and I look at the, and I watch the game here. Noah Biller leading the charge with 13 tackles. Ryland Beamer with 12 tackles of his own. Garrett Keeler, two tackles, two tackles for loss, and Gideon's defensive playmaker of the game. Gio Toledo, who had the game 
saving strip of Blake Barnett in the semis came to play as well. Six tackles. Mikhail Benner, five tackles as well as that interception. He got some hurries as well. Holden Potter, you heard his name quite a bit throughout this conversation. Brent Harris got in the backfield. Kenan Juarez got in the backfield. Nick Petrich got in the backfield. And he had way more tackles than um, than is caught here. But yeah, I don't know. This Broomfield team just had way too many options versus this Loveland team here. And you know, the crazy thing is, is the number of turnovers in this game were ludicrous. Look, Broomfield, they lost two fumbles. They threw two interceptions. Loveland, they had two mess ups, two fumbles here and two interceptions as well. So, and Broomfield, they even fumbled the ball four total times and didn't, <laughs> didn't end up, um, you know, losing it every single time. So that's very critical here. But I mean, yeah, there, there just wasn't a whole lot of options for this Loveland team. They struggled to convert on fourth down attempts. They only converted 25% here. They were constantly getting harassed in the backfield here. And yeah, overall, just did not have as many chances to score. They only reached the red zone twice, which they converted for 100% efficiency. But compared to Broomfield's seven trips to the red zone... That's just too much to handle if you're Loveland here. And so for me, obviously, you know, I saw this one. I can comfortably say that I saw this coming because I literally predicted this to start the entire postseason here. And, you know, huge shout out to these Eagles here. A shout out to the Red Wolves as well. They fought very hard to get back into this championship realm here. And, uh, you know, they have a season that they can be very proud of here. They will be graduating a handful of really good guys here, so I'm interested to see where they go from here. I know that Garrett Harstead has gotten a few interests on the collegiate level, so we'll follow that path heading forward just a little bit, keeping our ear to the ground. But this Broomfield team is very, very special. Um, Juarez played like a next-level athlete today. Garrett Keeler, I know, is a next-level athlete, and if you do not have this guy yet, you've got to reach out to him and get him signed because otherwise you're going to be kicking yourself in the butt that you did not try reaching out to him. Brent Harris has had a phenomenal season for Broomfield here on both sides of the ball. I think that makes him very valuable. Francis has been a solid athlete as well. Anthony Cobb, just this, pat, just this receiving core here that has been... Very complimentary to Cola Crew here and everything that he does so, so well. And, you know, shout out to Cannon Juarez, obviously Gideon's MVP as well as Chass's MVP. You'll have to wait for my playmaker of the game for the last segment here. But, uh, yeah, there's plenty of good options from this one. Congrats to both teams. And I just got to say, Cole, we've been following... LaCrue here since his sophomore year, since the pandemic year. And, you know, he was one of those sophomore quarterbacks where, like, hey, man, there's a lot of potential here. I like where this is going. I want to say it was one of our request episodes. And then, you know, it was such a pleasure to have him and Braden Dorman on the show for one of our interviews. I might even repost that, honestly, just because following their story throughout high school has been so fantastic. And we'd love to have them both back on the show. So consider that a formal invite. But Cole, I know that these last few seasons, there's been a lot of growth. You've had to develop a lot of different parts of your game here. And you've come a long way from not only the player that I initially saw, but from 
the boy that I initially met in that interview. Obviously, very, very solid interview, and I there's nothing wrong with the interview, but maturity-wise, it has been so special to watch you grow, and I'm so happy for you and your brother Ty here to be able to win in that stadium where y'all had season tickets, and I had to I had to fight my own tears because it's just beautiful, and it shows how much bigger than a game football really is, and to see that, you know, that spiritual enlightenment connection whatever you want to call it for for what you believe in it was there in that stadium that day and the sun was shining on a beautiful beautiful moment here and i'm just so happy for ty and cole who've had to grow a lot uh just in general here in these you know past couple of years and um you know i i think i could speak for literally everyone in this state when we're so happy and so proud of you. And, um, you know, win or loss, obviously, it was special to be there. But to get that win, that means that means a lot to me as a fan of football, as a fan of Colorado football, and as a fan of Cola Crew. It just means a lot. So thank you so much for, you know, having such a wonderful story, being such a wonderful person, and uh, helping lead this team. Obviously, congrats, congrats to uh, Coach Hubbard on his state title here as Broomfield's coach, because I think this is his first one at the helm for Broomfield. And shout out to that coaching staff and that team who was really a family. I really believe ever at the beginning of every year, every team says, you know, our chemistry is at an all-time high. We actually feel like a family. It was the number one thing that I heard at Media Day, but Broomfield is one of those teams that I think instilled a great culture. They followed through on that culture that it's a team win. Anytime I see guys posting highlights from Broomfield, great team win. Here's what I was able to do because of my team. My team helped me achieve this stat line. My team helped us elevate to the next level. And Broomfield, they cap off a perfect season here, just like the 3A state champs, just like the 1A state champs here, and you know have a perfect season to advance and become Colorado's 4A state champs congrats to everyone in that organization shout out broomfield eagles football and uh everything that they repost and their support as well during this season what a great story to follow and uh i'm so excited to see where all these players go and i'm excited for the future you know there's for those who know to keep your ears to the ground i don't think broomfield's gonna fall off next year i think that they got plenty of talent uh to continue to compete and i think that's exactly what they will do here but uh, shout out to the seniors in this last game and uh, shout out to Broomfield here and congrats on your state championship. But now it is time for the final game of the 2022 season and for the third year in a row, Cherry Creek versus Valor Christian. Cherry Creek looking to four-peat and three-peat specifically against Valor. Valor looking to snap this curse and put an end to this bullying here. And they would get their chance right and early in this game starting this one with possession now on this opening play greg mcdonald would take a direct snap for four yards that would get tackled by angelo Petritus with the tackle here and then on the next play there'd be great coverage from the very same guy here and that would eventually force a valor punt here now on the opening here for Cherry Creek. Carlson Bubba Tan here would 
run for 40 through a guy, and that would be saved by Cade Young on the tackle. Now, Bubba Tan would get tackled for only one on the next play, and then Andrew Wyatt would force a hurry that would get, you know, force an incompletion, and then a Jackson Oriole pass deflection would force a field goal attempt in which Cherry Creek would not convert. So, on this next drive for Valor here, it would be very heavily disrupted by Blake Purchase, who got a tackle and then a pass deflection. And after two more incompletions here, it would be a punt for Valor here. Now, Creek, on this drive, they connect to Cooper Pollard, who has a catch and go for about 15 yards and is tackled by Gabe Sawchuck. And then a Jordan Heron run would end in a Gavin Bebick tackle here. Jordan Heron would then run for two more yards after a Cyrus Wiley tackle. But then Brody Bleak and Roman Bradley would share one here against Brady Vodica. Jordan Heron would run for three more. And then Bubba Tan would run for two more. And Creek would burn a timeout here with about five minutes and four seconds to go in the first quarter. Jordan Heron would get a direct snap that would gain four yards here, ending in a Gavin Bebick tackle. But then Brady Vodka would have to be kept, uh, would do a keeper here, and that had to be measured on fourth down. And inside of the red zone, the Valor defense, aided by Gavin Bebick here, would force a turnover on downs, stopping the Creek offense just shy of the chains here. They then hand off, the Christian Eagles that is, would hand off to Trey Stott, one of their best athletes, who would run for six yards, getting tackled eventually by Logan Brantley. And then Jake Ischernhagen would run for two yards, getting tackled by Jake Howell. Blake Purchase would then get a massive strip, strip sack here, absolutely obliterating his mark to get to the QB and get a strip sack that would be recovered by Hank Zelinskis. And so, Creek, inside of Valor, deep inside Valor territory here, would get a chance to mistake the wrongs of not capitalizing here in the first place. And the Valor defense here, they stiffen up. Alex Jordan here gets a tackle on Arion Boyd. And then after a false start, there is an incompletion here. Owen Downing gets a tackle. And Valor Christian holds, holds stand here. Uh, Bebic with that pass deflection on the incompletion here. And they force a field goal. Creek goes up three to nothing over Valor with 55 seconds in the first. Now Sawchuck here, he gets a nice return for 30 yards. And, you know, after a false start, Jake Creekler is, you know, going for the, uh, going for short here, getting tackled by Chase Brackney and Jacob Kucharski here. But on the next play here, uh, Brackney shares a sack with Purchase on the next play, and that ends the first quarter with the second quarter opening up with a Valor punt. Now, Cherry Creek with the ball. Vodka throws to Kucharski for 11 yards. Blake Kierski on the tackle. But, you know, looking, then this is Gideon here saying, quote, but after that, we noticed something. Looking at the film, Vodka was throwing much different from usual. It was more sidearmed than normal. I think he may have got the yips. Unfortunately, the solution to the yips is throwing more, which you can't in a, which you can't afford in a game like this. End quote. But 
Following that, you know, um, you get a, uh, a tackle from Bleak here. And then Sawchuck gets a push out on a run here. And uh, Bubba Tan, he gets a couple of carries for four yards apiece. Gavin Bebick getting in on the action, getting some tackles here. And uh, Brady Vodica actually rips off a 20-yard gain here, uh, running down the right sideline here, and gets into the red zone. A Jordan Heron run would follow. But then Roman Bradley would catch an interception on the five-yard line off of a hurry by Downing and give Valor the ball here in the second quarter. And this would be one of the best drives of the entire game that follows. Because Asher Weiner, he gets tackled by Brantley and Petritus on this next play for only one. But then gets a run for four yards and is tackled by Eli Martinez and Howell. They manage to draw Creek off sides. And after that first down, Trey Stott runs for four. Or I guess it was very close to a first down. Trey Stott runs for four yards, and that was a first down. Getting dragged down eventually by Brantley here. Now, Petritus, he ends up getting a big hit on Rowdy on Rowdy Beers here on a catch for two over the middle. But Petritus, his shoulder looks messed up, and it takes him a while to get up. But, you know, they Creek here, they get a sideline warning on that play. And Asher Weiner then finds Cash Spence here for 20 yards while Spence actually fell and he caught this ball on his butt here. Following that, uh, Purchase would get a tackle on Stott after Stott gained three yards here. Then a Martinez and Petritus tackle would happen and Ada Napke would then push out the next run here. McDonald would then fool the entire stadium here on a direct snap where he ran for 20 yards here. And so, you know, this Creek defense, they're kind of on their heels here. Valor is rushing it very, very well. They have a balanced drive. Asher Weiner, he gets another seven yards and McDonald gets another direct snap for three yards that results in a dog pile here. Uh, Blake Purchase being a part of that initial contact. Now, Ezrin Rice, he gets a tackle on this next play here, but McDonald is able to convert a fourth and one that sets up first and 10. Gabe Sodchuk would get a run for four, and then Greg McDonald would punch it in for a touchdown to score the first championship points for Valor in a few years here, and Jeremy Claycamp would hit the PAT, and Valor would go up 7-3 to three with 38 seconds left in the half. This would be Valor's first lead over, state, uh, over Cherry Creek in state, I think since 20... Let's see, that'd be 21, 2020, 2019, 2018, I want to say. 2018, I believe. Pretty sure. Um, but I digress a little bit here. Creek comes out here, and they just look a little sloppy here. There's an incompletion, and then a fumble that was recovered by Creek, and this drive ends in an interception by Gabe Sawchuck here, giving Valor another chance to score with about 25 seconds in the half. But Chase Brackney here would get great penetration and would sack the quarterback and then on the next play, there'd be an incompletion, which led to fourth and 15 and a punt that would, you know, give Creek another chance here. And on this drive, Brian Rudden here, 
is, I believe, at quarterback, and he throws a Hail Mary to Ishmael Cece, and he is tackled by Jake Crickler just in time to save the touchdown, and Valor enters the half up 7-3 against Cherry Creek. But to start the second half here, Creek would come out with some major, major adjustments here, and that would impact the rest of this game. Uh, Valor feeling pretty good, and as I predicted, would not be shut out a third year in a row here by Creek. Like I said, McGatlin's a really good coach here, and you know this team I think is way more invested into each other than they maybe ever have been. And I think that's a good reason why Valor was so much more competitive in this game than years past. But on the other sideline, you do have Dave Logan, which obviously impacts what happens at halftime. And so they come out with possession, Cherry Creek that is, and Bubba Tan rips off a 35-yard run here. And there is a face mask call on the play that puts Cherry Creek at the 11-yard line. And Bubba Tan would towed it one more time for the touchdown here and with 11 21 to go in the third quarter creek would regain the lead 10 to 7 on the next valor drive sawchuck would have a nasty stiff arm and turn upfield for 13 yards before jake Kreckler would run for another five sawchuck would then get another run for a first down but after two incompletions and a tackle by Tai Umukais here and Kucharski. They would share a tackle to force a punt. Shout out our guy Tai uh, getting in on that field and getting some action in the state game. But Creek on the next play here, or on the punt, CC actually returns it and uh, you know gains about 20 yards here before getting tackled out of bounds by Brooks Peterson. Downing would get a tackle here. Um, eventually as CeCe would get a run here as well, but Jordan Heron would be able to move the chains for a first down and then pick up five more and then another eight yards with a washing machine spin cycle play on a couple of guys on the next play here. Brian Roden would drop back and throw to Ishmael Cece for the 35-yard touchdown. And with Googline hitting the PAT, Creek had secured a 17-7 lead with seven and a half minutes left in the third. On the next drive for Valor here, Matt Lurig would get a tackle out, followed by a Logan Brantley tackle. And then after a pass interference and a few almost interceptions here, Creek would force a punt. CC, he had a long feeling return for about 23 yards on the punt. And after a timeout with 4.41 to go, Boyd would rip off a run for 30 yards here. But after they crossed midfield here, there would be a fumble forced by Alexander Jordan. And Valor would recover the football here, giving the Eagles here another shot. On this drive, Asher Weiner, he would run for six, and then Stott would run for a first down, both of those tackles being made by Blake Purchase. Asher Weiner would then hit a huge throw to Jake Dragu for 45 yards here. And with the, you know, with Martinez making the touchdown saving tackle here, the Creek defense would stiffen up here, stopping three consecutive inside runs. 
and Valor here would kick a field goal to make it 10-17 to with 7 seconds left in the third quarter. Now, Bubba Tan would get the first carry of the fourth quarter, the final corner, quarter of the 2022 Colorado High School football season by rushing for 25 yards. Bebic, you know, he would get this tackle to save it here, and he'd get the next tackle, but would unfortunately get tan after a gain of five. Jordan Herod would run for two and then eight yards and would get a first down here. On the next play, there was a miscommunication on which way the handoff was going to happen, and that led to a sack here by Downing. Now, Bubba Tan would get a carry for four yards and then another carry for two yards, and there would be a face mask, and that would put Creek in great position here. And, you know, a timeout with 6.15 left in the game would result in Creek getting a quick handoff to Blake Purchase, who punched in his touchdown here. First career state touchdown, I want to say, with a four-yard carry to make it 24-10 with six minutes and 12 seconds left on the scoreboard. Now, Valor, they come out, they've got to make some noise on this drive, and Sawchuck would return the opening kickoff for 12 yards before getting tackled by Keon Johnson. On the next play, he would run for 12 yards, and following that, Valor would fumble, but that would be recovered by Ethan Reynolds. Now, on this drive here, you do have Javion Combs, who does light up Asher Weiner here on a big time sack and this forces Valor into a throwing situation here. Weiner, he throws to Cash Spence for seven yards and then after a timeout with four minutes and 16 seconds left, Weiner would find Stott here who would catch for a first down. A holding penalty would put the Valor Christian offense in a bit of a hole here, but Weiner would throw to Spence for about 15 yards before Sawchuck would be able to run for a first down. Now, Weiner would fight an impressive amount against Creek. It took three tackles to bring him down, and all three of those were from D1 commits. And, you know, this defense, they force a third and 26 with the pressure that they've been able to put on the quarterback but with two minutes and seven seconds to go, Weiner would step back and throw a 28-yard bomb to Cash Spence, the freshman, for a touchdown. And after Clay Camp's PAT, Valor had come back within striking distance, 17-24 with 153 left in the game. And the onside kick would go out of bounds. Creek would kneel and become your four-time 5A 4P, I should say, state champs here. One of the winningest programs in the history of Colorado and a huge salute to them. Before I go into my game summary, I will go over Gideon's notes here. First on the Valor side for his defensive playmaker of the game. Gavin Bebick. Gideon said, quote, Gavin Bebick was Valor Christian's best disruptor on the field. He got his handful of tackles, pass deflections, and was a big part in the QB change Creek made at half. Bebic was definitely Valor's best defender, even if the numbers don't stand out. Best of luck in your college search, Gavin, end quote. Now, Gideon's pick for offensive playmaker of the game for Valor here is Cash Spence and Asher Weiner. Gideon had to say, quote, This was without a doubt the best game of Cash Spence's career so far. 
That isn't saying much since he is a freshman with nine games under his belt, but he had a really productive night. 85 receiving yards and a 28-yard tutty against a nationally ranked team is amazing. Asher Weiner played his role as well, with the junior going 10 of 21 with a QBR of 122.33. Both played well, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're back in the Final Four next year, end quote. And for Gideon's playmaker of the game on the Valor Christian side, he's going to go with Gabe Sawchuk. He said, quote, Gabe Sawchuk lives up to the family name. The junior running back is a really good player, and he proved that he has what it takes. He had 107 yards, but his work on special teams really stood out, with his 68 return yards being superb. Sawchuk is going to be an insanely important piece for this Valor squad, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a Power 5 school in two years, end quote. And I think that something else that you can kind of add on is his contributions to the defensive side of the ball. Look, Sawchuk, he made plenty of tackles when it mattered. I mean, he had five total tackles on the night. He obviously was disrupting plays in the pass game with pass deflections and good coverage. He's a solid cornerback too. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised personally if he ends up getting recruited more as a corner because I think that he's really good at it and overlooked at it. But on the winning side here, in Gideon's notes, Gideon had for the defensive playmaker of the game, Chase Brackney. Quote, Chase Brackney has the size of Noah Atherton with the mobility of Tell Wade and the strength of a Dowling brother. He is an insane defensive player and his ability to swim around guys at his size was awe-inspiring. He had 10, 10 tackles, 2 sacks, and 2 tackles for loss in a state championship against all playmaker Tanner Morley. There are a few whose dominance over the defensive side of the ball I have seen this year. Best of luck at Iowa Chase, end quote. For offensive playmaker of the game, Gideon's going with Bubba Tan. Bubba Tan actually being crowned the Chassa playmaker of the game, or Chassa's MVP, I should say. You know, he had a spectacular game, obviously, on the Chassa side of things. I'm going to go with Gideon's blurb here first. Quote, Bubba Tan ran violently and with power. His 164 yards led both teams in this contest, and he moved unlike all but a couple running backs I've seen this year. He's insanely good, and the only comparison I can give for him are Jordan Neeson, Mark Wayne Taylor, and Morgan Trebet, which I dare say are good guys to be compared to. With his TD, his Offensive Playmaker of the Year status was a no-brainer. Whatever college program Tan joins, he's going to have them sitting in the shade relaxing. He'll make it so easy. Best of luck in your college search, Bubba, end quote. And finally, Gideon's playmaker of the game for Cherry Creek is none other than the four-star Oregon commit currently in Blake Purchase. Quote, Blake Purchase was the best defensive player for Creek, and he scored a four-yard touchdown. He had nine tackles and a tackle for loss, and Valor sometimes triple-teamed him to try to nullify his impact. It didn't always work. I'm going to buy into this Purchase thing moving forward. Best of luck at Oregon Blake, end quote. And I really just got to echo his sentiment here. Look, Blake Purchase, he was dominant. Obviously, he had that rushing touchdown. But, you know, the strip sack was very critical early in the game here as he just bull rushed this lineman straight into the quarterback's lap and rocked him at the perfect time and had was just so impactful both in the scheme that they had to run against him as well as just what he's capable of as an individual defensive player. Now, Gideon's summary on the game, quote, Cherry Creek completed the 4P and continued their historic dominance. Now, they still need eight to pass Lyman, but they have officially passed Fort Collins High School to have the second most championships in Colorado football history. 
Blake, Bubba, and Chase put on quite a show for us, but we cannot say that Gavin Cash, Asher, and didn't put up a heck of a fight. Cherry Creek may be a bit depleted to start next year, while Valor has some very key returners at key positions. However, Creek cemented their dynasty in this one for certain. The king is alive and well. Long live the king. But there come many threats to the dynasty from suspiciously Pine Creek and Valor Christian-shaped powerhouses to sleeper teams like Legend, Pooter, Fossil, and Thunder Ridge. Next year is going to be so fun across all levels. Every dynastic team is losing so many pieces and it will be wide open. 1A through 5A is going to be a ball and I can't wait to be with y'all on that journey. For now though, to all the seniors listening from all teams in Colorado, but especially Cherry Creek and Valor, best of luck in your endeavors. I wish you all happy, long, and fulfilling lives and careers. To everyone else, I hope your offseason treats you well. Good luck next season. Anyone can win it all. But until next time, this is Gid signing off for the 2022-2023 season. Peace. End quote. Thank you so much, Gideon. Obviously, shout out to Gideon and Coach V for everything that they've done so far this season. It has been such a great season here. But before I dive into that, I am going to talk about this game in my lenses here and some things that were going well for both squads. And then, obviously, after that, we have our last Playmakers of the Week brought to you by Code Red Coaching. So, to end this season here, obviously... Valor with a lead at halftime over Cherry Creek, and that comes on the heels of some good turnovers. They had a positive turnover margin, obviously, uh, with that interception and, you know, being able to force fumbles. And, uh, you know, he, they actually got two interceptions in that um, in that first half. So, you know, they came out to play on the defensive side of the ball. They had a really hard time stopping the rushing game, but they tightened up in the red zone, and I think that's what matters here. You know, Creek, they had four red zone opportunities in this first half and only came away with a single field goal, and I think that that is very, very solid here on Valor's part, especially because they were at a disadvantage. They usually had to be defending within their own territory on average for Cherry Creek that typically started on the opposing 47-yard line thanks to special teams as well as great defense here. And uh, Valor, they had to start deep within their own territory a couple of times. But that drive that they had to basically close out the half was absolutely bonkers. I mean, they ended up running five more plays than Creek in that half. And I mean, they just picked up first downs when they absolutely needed it. And I think that that's really, really important here. And I mean... You know, they won in time of possession as well in that first half. They had the ball for about 13 minutes compared to Creek's 11 here. And that includes that very, very long drive. But in that third quarter, Creek's big plays would eventually pay off here. I mean, up until that point in the game, you know, they'd been averaging seven yards per carry. They eventually got 9.6 yards per carry, ripped off a 50-yard run, got some big passes here to eventually go up 17 to 10 against Valor in this game uh, heading into the fourth quarter here. And then, you know, Valor, they obviously get that field goal to end the third quarter and keep it within a one-score contest. But Creek, they just everlast, outlast in this game. And I mean, there's 83 rushing attempts between both of these teams here. And, you know, Valor, once they start passing the ball, they start getting a couple of, they string together a few good plays here. Like Gideon said, Cash Spence had himself a really solid game. And Asher Weiner, you know, he's performed the best out of any quarterback in 
state for Valor over this last these last three matchups here going 10 of 21 150 yards and a touchdown to no interceptions not turning the ball over is sometimes the hardest thing here but i mean this creek defensive line we've been saying it all year is just way too good way too talented way too strong way too big way too fast and that proved to be the case here i mean look blake purchase being one of the biggest impact players in the entire country showed up in this game chase brackney did one of his best career performances in this game. Javion Smith-Combs, who just committed to CSU, popped off this game and had a really big sack. So I think that, you know, there's a lot to be happy about for this Creek squad. And, I mean, it was only a matter of time uh, that Smith-Combs would get that sack. And, um, you know, this... Like I said, this Creek defense was just too much for this Valor offense, but this Valor offense still put up 17 points. That's more than they have in the past two years combined. Not saying too much, but, um, you know, I think that they played a solid game. I think that Valor played a winnable football game against one of the most talented teams in the country. And I think that they are returning quite a few important key pieces. You're getting Asher Weiner back. You're getting Gabe Sawchuk back. You're getting Cash Spence back. You're getting back a tackle who as a freshman has offers to Penn State as well as CU. Definitely, you know, one of the better playmakers in the entire state. And so you have a lot of pieces coming back. Creek, lots to celebrate here. Well, okay, that's kind of, that's my two cents on Valor. Huge congrats. They've earned my respect over there. Uh, following this season and following that state championship game, actually playing with grit, with soul, with purpose. I have a lot more respect for Valor. And, uh, you know, shout out to McGatlin for adjusting that culture, actually being somebody with a spine, it seems like, at the head coach position, and somebody who builds character in these young men. So thank you, McGatlin, for addressing those things in your first year at the helm. As for Creek, Dave Logan, one of the best coaches in Colorado high school sports, period. Going to put that out there. Uh, basically the Nick Saban, if you would, of Colorado football. And I mean... A huge part of that, he surrounds his staff, he surrounds his players, I should say, with one of the most competent staffs in the state. You got a Jarvis Moss helping coach defensive linemen. You got a Reardon here who put in lots of work as a Rappos defensive coordinator and helped, you know, this Warrior team overachieve as the DB's guy. He's done splendid work in his time there for the past five years. And, you know, has helped produce some of the best talents, you know, I'm looking at an Al Ashford. I'm looking at a Miles purchase there. Uh, should have been Gatorade Player of the Year in his senior year. I digress. Um, look, it's, he, he puts his guys in positions to win here. And he makes the tough decisions. Look, Brady here helped get this Creek team to stay. He is a part of this Creek dynasty, whether, you know, you like how he played in the state championship game or not that is a lot to ask from a very young player to uphold a dynasty but shout out to all of these quarterbacks here whether it was Aurelio whether it was Brady whether it was Brian Rudd in here all of these guys did their job when they were asked and they stepped up when they were asked Brian here came in made the passes that he needs to controlled the temple of this game didn't turn over the balls huge shout out to Rudden for coming into this game and helping clutch it really I mean Rudd in here, that's a big situation to put be put in, and he stepped up. So huge shout out to Brian Rudd in there, and uh, you know this entire Creek coaching staff that I think does a great job of putting their players in the best position to succeed, and in turn puts their team in the best position to win. Now, 
Uh, heading into next year, they obviously have a lot of guys graduating. And uh, we still have Playmakers of the Week to do, so stay tuned. I agree with all of Gideon's picks. Uh, I think that they're all really, really good. And, uh, you know, four Playmakers of the Week here. Uh, that'll be coming up right after my finish my congratulations on Creek for their dynasty. One of the greatest sports dynasties in Colorado football history. Four Pete, four for four, baby. They're like the Wendy's drive through And, you know, I think that uh, even with as much talent as they're going to be graduating, much like two years ago, they still develop very, very well. They have a youth program that I think is very closely aligned with the values and systems that they run at Cherry Creek. And I think that they're going to continue to trend upwards here despite graduating a lot of talent. And I think that they're still a threat to win state. They always are with that coaching staff and, uh, you know, with a lot of the underclassmen talent that was able to contribute as well. Uh, congrats to uh, looking forward to seeing all of you underclassmen coming back as well, covering y'all and uh, huge shout out to this senior class. I mean, Logan Brantley, absolute beast. You'll be hearing his name on our top five position by position series. Ishmael CC, absolute pleasure every single time I get to talk to that guy. He is one of the best ballers in this state. And going back to when I met him at TFG, he has done nothing but impress me. And both on and off the field, he's just an absolute pleasure. So that is a name that you'll be hearing, spoiler alert, on our top five senior position by position series. Chase Brantley, he had an absolutely dominant state game. He showed up in the biggest stage and he's a mountain of a man. And he shouted out his teammates when I got to talk to him post game and had nothing but love for his coaches and his teammates in that position. Uh, Javion Smith Combs, shout out to my guy here. Congrats on your CSU commit. Congrats on having a good state game. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you say that you'll be tuning in. I had to shout the guy out here. Um, look, he had a fantastic game and... I mean, it's about time that somebody offered him. I mean, 6'6", 240. Dude is a beast. And, you know, he's another part of that rotation. Uh, shout out to uh, Petritus on that defense. Shout out that backfield that just has so many weapons. And Arion Boyd, Jordan Heron, Bubba Tan. You know, all of those guys, they grinded out a tough win on the ground. Shout out to that offensive line, obviously, for winning on the majority of those plays. I mean... I'd say that I'd call it a success when you average 7.6 yards per rush on the ground. Yeah, that's a good day for the for the big boys in the trenches. So shout out to that line, obviously. And, uh, you know, Aiden Napke on that defense. Even, you know, in his second year in high school sports, continued to make plays and break up passes in this game. And uh, Angelo Petritus over the middle. I know that I think I already shouted him out. There's just so many great ballers on this team. Uh, Rudd and Vodka, Aurelio as well for what he was able to help this squad do over the season. And uh, last but certainly not least here, Blake purchased the four-star. Look, big players make big plays in big games, and Purchase was dominating in this game. No matter which side he lined up on, he had a bag of moves. He would get triple teamed and still would be moving them the other direction. They would be running away from him, and he'd chase the play from behind he'd go across the field and make tackles and he scored a touchdown today last year he was the most dominant player on that defense and this year nothing changed as cherry creek is your 5a state champs here congratulations to cherry creek and with that being said 
we're gonna go into a little uh our, our special here and go playmakers of the week for the final week of colorado football brought to you by code red coaching where the grind to greatness starts with the mind visit coderedcoaching.com on any browser here and get connected to cody rosenthal absolutely great guy he actually was able to make state and you know probably had a notice a couple things about the mental performance especially of you know these young athletes as well as you know this team and what they were able to accomplish call him today at 720-979-1914 and get set up to figure out how to become a solid mental performer in your realm of performance that's coderedcoaching.com where the grind to greatness starts with the mind call today at 720-979-1914 and thank you to code red coaching and cody rosenthal for bringing us this week's this final 2022 playmakers of the week and so let's go ahead and start in 3a here look there are a few good options for the rough riders here on the defensive side of the ball, you have the likes of Elazar Valencia, who went absolutely nuclear in this game. Nine total tackles, four of those being for loss, a hurry, as well as two sacks, having probably his best game of the year on the biggest stage. So shout out to Elazar Valencia. He recently just got an offer as well that I saw. So well-deserved and yeah, no, he played a great game. Shout out to uh, the freshman Dylan Doyon, as well as a newcomer of the year candidate. Uh, two tackles for loss in that state championship game. At quarterback, obviously, Bronco Hartson, 7 of 13, 125 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Had himself a pretty okay game there. Now, the Chassa pick for MVP was Xavier Ramirez, the junior. 30 carries, 147 yards, and two touchdowns as well putting on an absolute clinic continuing to deliver and be the bell cow back for the rough riders this year however i gotta go with coach v's call here as well as my gut tucker peterson as the playmaker of the week here on defense having five tackles here on offense right before halftime actually getting a catch here for a touchdown he had two receptions for 29 yards and a score not a lot of luck on his handoff on the day but had some punt return yards but the nail in the coffin here the game ceiling interception one of the best plays i've seen all year diving great instincts incredible athleticism know-how of the game heart and soul of this Roosevelt community. Give it up for your 3A playmaker of the week, Tucker Peterson of the champion Roosevelt Rough Riders. Shout out my boy, uh, Coach Nate over there, uh, who's been, you know, grinding for this moment. And, uh, you know, I, I need to see them rings, boys, when you get that fitted. I got to see them rings because that's hype as heck. And uh, shout out to Roosevelt and their state championship W. On the 4A level, obviously Gideon threw out some great candidates there. Garrett Keeler played an incredible, incredible football game in that game. Cannon Juarez, obviously he won the Chassa MVP in that game. So what more could you really ask for in that situation there? 
just shy of 100 total yards on offense. Obviously had that rushing touchdown as well. And then the game ceiling INT. Great work by Cannon Juarez on the Chass MVP. But my playmaker of the week has got to go to the fairy tale ending. The grit or grind. One of the best teammates I've seen. And one of the most fun quarterbacks in the state over the past few years. Cole LaCrue. 15 of 25, 233 yards. Had a couple of picks. One of those could have been prevented by a receiver being a bit more aggressive. But also punching in two touchdowns for this Broomfield Eagles squad. And helping them bring home the hardware. I, I went on my really long tangent earlier. But congratulations to Broomfield on that championship win. And as for the 5A playmaker of the week, look, Brian Rudden, you know, two of three, 94 yards, a touchdown. That's a pretty good stat line, I'd say, uh, for for stepping in there and taking care of business. Bubba Tan, obviously the Chassa MVP, 15 carries, 164 yards, and a touchdown going absolutely AWOL. Ishmael CC had himself a really, really good game here. A hundred and seventeen total yards, I want to say. And, uh, you know, obviously returning a punt for uh, about 18 yards. Total of 135 all-purpose yards for Ishmael CC, and obviously the receiving touchdown. But I'm going to have to echo Gideon's sentiment on this one. Also, shout out Chase Brackney with that crazy stat line. But I got to give it to Blake Purchase here. Nine tackles. He definitely had a sack in this game because he had a strip sack of Asher Weiner here. He had tackles for losses and he had a touchdown as well. Blake Purchase. Honestly, my vote probably for Gatorade Player of the Year, if I got to be honest. And um, my pick for the 5A Playmaker of the Week. And that is the final Playmakers of the Week brought to you by Code Red Coaching. Make sure to visit coderedcoaching.com. Find out more about them and how you can get set up to, you know, be mentally strong and perform well in all of your endeavors. Go ahead and call today at 720-979-1914 or go to coderedcoaching.com. But for these Playmakers of the Week on the 3A level, Tucker Peterson on the 4A level, Cola Crew, and on the 5A level, Blake Purchase. All of these going to arguably the face of a franchise on this level. All of these going to seniors who have been with this program, have been at their programs, and have developed them, and you know have really done the most for Colorado football. And that will do it for the 2022 season here. Obviously, we got our infamous top five series coming up here where we break down the film of seniors by position. This year will be the class of 2023, obviously. And this Friday, we will be coming out with our very first one, which is linebackers. So stay tuned for that one. But this season has been such a blast. We couldn't do it without you, the fans, obviously our listeners. Thank you so much for your support and everything that you've contributed to us. We appreciate our sources as well, both named and unnamed. We appreciate other Colorado media outlets that are so helpful and what a great collaborative environment it has been 
to be in the Colorado football scene and to promote it and build it up. Shout out to the coaches, you know, who have, you know, filled us in as well and uh, for the interactions and whatnot. And of course, shout out to the players here in Colorado. We do this for you and we are so excited to see what next season brings. But, you know, as we continue to make content in the off season, you want to keep track of film breakdowns. You want to see what we're up to in 2023 and for the rest of 2022, go ahead and reach out and find us on social media. That's Playmakers Corner on Instagram and Facebook, as well as TikTok, where we have highlights from the state championship games. So go ahead and check that out as well. Make sure to find us on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. See if you can get us to 3,000 followers before the end of the year. We would really appreciate it uh, with our top five series coming up. Then go ahead and find us on YouTube, Playmakers Corner, and go ahead and find us on Twitch. I think that we'll be making a return to Twitch probably as we are kind of in a you know, mellow-ish part of the month here. But uh, yeah, go and find us on Twitch, please. And uh, stay tuned for plenty of more content. Thanks to you all for the support. And for the last recap of the 2022 season, I have been your host, joined by the awesome team surrounding me of Gideon and Coach V signing off. Peace.